Welcome, listeners, to the Tough House. Happy to be in your ear holes. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is our third and final episode on just a little, it was a little experimental project. <laughs> You're hearing us workshop in real time. <laughs> yes. Well, not totally workshop, but. Working through some things that were not quite totally worked through, you know? Yes. We're bringing you into that process. And we don't have a fully formed thesis on this question of is wellness dead? Was wellness a pseudo event? But it's something that we've been thinking about for a long time and wrestling with. And we thought that because we had some wonderful interviews and we've spent a lot of time thinking about this and researching this, that it would be better to let you in on the whole process of it all, even if it's not perfect. Because actually, as you say, Michelle, people want your magic, not your perfection. And today our magic is going to be a little bit messy, but that's okay. I think it's good. (laughs) I actually always like hearing someone sort of wrestle with a thought process and not just be stuck on one side. So we're going to present where we're at and you, dear listener, can follow along. And I'd love to hear where you end up, what you think at the end of all of this, maybe what keeps percolating for you. Our journey begins in November of last year when I was visiting a friend who lives in West Hollywood and I saw that Moon Juice on Melrose Place was closing down and I was like, what is happening? Because Moon Juice, Melrose Place was like a to-do. Do Do you remember when it opened a couple years ago? Yeah. I remember that the Glossier opened not too long after and if you were going to go there, not that much clothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, there was a plethora of beverages. There's like Alfred coffee, Alfred tea, moon juice. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of bloggers, lots of CNBC. Violet Gray used to be over there too. But it felt like a big deal that moon juice was closing there because they've been, that company has been such an almost beacon in the wellness world or canary in the wellness coal mine especially representational of almost out of touch (laughs) wellness and wealth in a way. Aspirational. Exactly. So I asked the team who worked there, the dusters, if you will, it's like, what's going on here? How come you guys are closing? And they said, because of the pandemic, there just hasn't been enough foot traffic and it doesn't make sense to Mm -hmm. have a location anymore. So we're getting rid of it. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little alarmed because Mm -hmm. that's not a good sign for a big company like that. That was 2021 that they closed? Yeah. Or at the very end of 2021, maybe early 2022. The beginning of the end, perhaps. And also it was at the same time that they were kind of changing some of what they were doing. They weren't making as many juices in the stores. They were pivoting to making more shakes, lattes in store. They had just released that new cookbook that seemed like, oh, this is a departure from the first cookbook that they released. Yeah, their first cookbook was this like gorgeous, mystical, sort of like totally aspirational, almost out of touch and like it's kind of like an art book. It really was. It was like, do you have all these crazy Beautiful. ingredients that are going to make the $600 smoothie? And it was like, no, but I would love to flip through watching you make yeah. it on your copper counters. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and their their new cookbook is like super affordable. It's like talks a lot more about how to make a lot of these things at home and how to make, you know, supplementation for them. And just it's way more accessible. And Moon Juice, kind of the the brand had always been inaccessible in a way, like part of its brand. Hence the name, Moon Juice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And this kind of like sent us both down this spiral of thinking or asking like, okay, 
is this just a one-off thing or does this represent a bigger shift in the wellness world and the wellness industry? And I think that coupled with people asking us, what do you do? What is holisticism? I had a personal sort of existential crisis of like, do I even want to like associate myself with wellness anymore or us with wellness anymore? Because I don't really feel like I fit in with any of these wellness people necessarily, a lot of the wellness people. And even still a little bit less so, but when you say that word, it conjures something for people. It conjures an archetype that I think is still often associated with goop. Yeah. Unfortunately, because there's obviously so much more than that and people who have been working in so many different aspects of wellness for so long prior to goop, but that's what's received the most press in the past, you know, five plus years. 100%. And goop has changed a lot too. I mean, we're kind of talking about height of goop, right? Where again, Mm -hmm. totally inaccessible, totally aspirational, very white, very wealthy, very privileged. That is what wellness is. And this whole sort of like chain of (laughs) uh, spiraling, if you will, kind of like brought us back to like, wait, how did we even get to this point? Because you and I have both been working in this world or adjacent to the world of well, capital W wellness for a long time. And we've seen it shift and change. And I think we kind of like traced it back to the beginning of basically when Obama got elected into office, when Occupy Wall Street was happening and sort of the socioeconomic shifts that were happening globally, but also especially in the United States and how that really pushed a lot of people to look for something more. And also a perfect storm in a way for VC funding and big influx of money to be kind of injected into this quote unquote industry. So things that were not industrialized before started to become much more prevalent. Even Moon Juice, I think, was one of the first places, I know not compared to our health food store, but one of the first popular brands to really commodify herbs in the way that they have, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's super use or super hair, just brand it in a way that health food stores were not branding it. Yes, exactly. Not patchouli scented. It's like something like beautiful gradients. Yes. To your point at that time, I think there was also an awakening of, or for some people, for a lot of us, an awakening of, oh yeah, I am responsible for my well-being because I don't have that support. And without that support, it's kind of up to me. And it was, it's this emphasis on the individual. And as a result, that means you have to buy this wellness and health as an individual through all of these products and services. So kind of a perfect storm to capitalize on one, a healthcare crisis, two, I think a meaning crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a longer story, maybe a podcast for a different day, but thinking about becoming a more secularized society and really struggling to find meaning in a lot of the different communities that we're invested in, especially if we're working so much and we don't have time to be in the communities that we want to be in. And so kind of a lot of many different aspects of this, including the recession in 2008, combining to be a perfect storm also with the internet, social media. Yeah. So much has shifted. And if you think about it almost like as a bell curve or a bell graph, like starting in 2008 with you know the econo- the emergency economic stabilization act that George W Bush signed into into law that caused this 700 billion dollar bailout which sort of triggered mm-hmm. the recession that we're familiar with that we're looking back on now of like oh we might be going through something similar 
from that point to the sort of height of wellness is $3.3 trillion and billion dollar industry to where we are now of like, oh wait, Moon Juice is going from like super bougie to almost like Amazon basic with their new cookbook. And Goop went from green juice shilling, you know, luxury brand to like now kind of a sex toy store. Like does Which, that- not mad. <laughs> not mad about that, no. But like, what does that yeah. mean for- wellness is wellness even real or was it this thing that we kind of like co-opted yeah because we were searching for meaning because we're sort of like grasping at straws and i think something that we're seeing that's similar is around the time of 2008 wealth as like and sort of like bouginess and performative wealth like the, think about the beginning of the real housewives trans- franchises those happened around that time became really, really popular and important. People were just like desperately trying to hold on to anything that could sort of like throw off the impending financial crisis that would hopefully help us not be impacted by it. But of course, like it would. And trashy luxury was like the very dominant theme of that in that time in 2008. Think about it. Like that's when Lost was the number one TV show on air and Jersey Shore and Teen Mom were like in development at MTV. The Hills had just premiered. Like this sort of glitzy, glamorous, but also still kind of like seedy version of was what we were sort of like clinging on to. And Paris Hilton, Lancome Juicy Tubes, you know, like Daisy by Marc Jacobs was like the scent of that moment. And I think that the wellness world, as it sort of sprang up, this sort of like earth mama, no bra wearing, but still like living in a gorgeous place in Venice, and the the rise of Instagram was a direct response to that sort of like trashy luxury aesthetic. And in a way, we're kind of like rebounding from earth mama or <laughs> silver, sil- silver like shaman back to cottage exactly and like night lux aesthetic is coming back into vogue like this trashy luxury juicy is coming back uggs are coming Mm -hmm. back all all of the things that we were i don't know wearing in high school are like coming back into style and to your point this sort of like dearth or this lack of spirituality and like trust in the world and looking for something to worship. I think that wellness like kind of quickly became something that we could worship in a way alongside capitalism. Um, Mm -hmm. And wellness, the flavor of wellness that was really popular from let's say like 2010 to maybe 2017, this sort of like wake up early, run five miles, hustle, make your green juices, like work, biohacking, all of that, I think it was in a response to this like the Great Recession where there were less jobs for us to have, but more bills for us to pay, especially as people who are graduating from college or entering the working world. Like hustle culture wasn't a choice. It was like a way that the only way to survive. Like you had you had to have four jobs in order to pay your bills. Well, similar to what we were talking about with Danielle last week, the idea that you could yeah, ascend through your morning routine. Yeah. You could pull yourself up by your bootstraps through your, you know, healthy eating and fill in the blank routine, bedtime routine, yeah. morning routine, whatever. And not to say that those things don't have value. They do, of course, but in the extreme kind of, you know, if you're not well and you're not healthy, it's kind of your fault was the very subtle messaging of a lot of the content out there. And I think that was subconscious for most people. And I think 
that really changed like very early in the pandemic, even though that was not always true for a lot of people. I think for the people that were following that, you know, even subconsciously, there was a reminder of, "Mm, no, that's not going to save you if you don't have any health care, if you don't have access to things that will meet your basic needs. Mm -hmm. The popular narrative that I think a lot of us grew up with who also came into, like had a coming of age when content creation became democratized because of tools and apps and technology, Mm -hmm. phones, hardware, software that made it so Mm -hmm. easy to make content for very affordably. The sort of narrative that we've grown up with is, yeah, if you just work hard enough, you'll be fine. Like if you work hard, you show up, you're going to make enough money. That's like how it works because that had been how it worked. But again, we like came of age during the $700 billion bailout of our banks. Like everything was broken. We had a mass failure failure in our economic system. So all those rules that had applied before didn't really apply to us. But we were almost like no one knew what the answer was. So I felt like we were in a little bit of an echo chamber of like young people telling other young people, this is the way to do things. This is the way to like make it happen, making content around that. So regurgitating that message and sharing it over and over again and getting virality because of it. Come Like I think about all the like Pinterest and Instagram quotes of like single, busy, building my empire, you know, things like that. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> well, because it is – both of those things, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it has been and continues to be, to your point, a huge democratization of voice, of ability to have a platform that to a certain extent you control. Mm-hmm. But it's at the same time was also a result of there aren't many jobs. So you, <laughs> yeah. you need to kind of figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this content, like hustle culture content, And also, uh, I would say wellness content where they sort of converge is here's the pathway to success. Here's the formula to be successful. Literally, here's a smoothie formula that you can make that's going to help you lose weight or that's going to help you feel energized or that's going to make your skin glow. But also like subtly what I'm telling you is if you do this, you will be like me. And that's really what Instagram and social media like – We see that still, right? Beautiful people, influencers, the rise of wellness influencers are saying, if you do these things, the the subtext is, you will look and be like me. Your life will be like mine. And when the sort of pathway, the traditional pathway to success has been obliterated because we were living in a whole new world, that seems like a viable option for people from like both the hustle culture perspective, but also from like the sort of wellness, health is wealth health and wealth equal happiness perspective too. And to a certain degree, health is wealth here when if you can't afford healthcare, you might be in debt for going to the hospital for, you know, fill in the blank reason. So as much as that was the message, like that is the message. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because there have been fluctuations in terms of what it means to have healthcare here. And it changes per state, of course, as we know now, with what we're going through with access to abortion. But I think there's this thinking about the explosion of the lifestyle blogger and that the majority of the lifestyle blogger influencer content creator is generated around teaching you how to live their lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. how they 
actually afford that lifestyle usually is a question mark. Mm -hmm. And there's much more transparency around that now. But I think even when it comes to launching a business, sometimes people have capital that is coming from family or another business, or sure, it could be an investment, but we're not always aware or have the time or maybe the interest. So there's a lot of subtleties that are communicated through being like, here, this is what how I live my day. This is what my day looks like, you know, in Malibu or whatever. <laughs> right. And, it, and because social media is or certain platforms are so one directional and we can't help but project and make assumptions. So I think there has been that backlash as we've seen over the past few years towards this type of lifestyle influencer. Yeah. And I think we've seen like a lot of those wellness influencers who just like soared in popularity during the 2012 to 2017 time, even up to 2019, pre-pandemic, we've seen a lot of them fall, like either go to rehab or admit that they have an eating disorder or like that they're not happy or that they need to be medicated for depression, which none of those things are bad. They're real. It's like, that's human. But the facade that had been created on social media of, well, my life is perfect because I'm healthy because I drink my green juice every day and I do my my 15-minute meditation in my journal and I write down my affirmations in different colored pencils at the beginning of every month during the new moon. Like it's that's not going to make your life perfect. And sort of cracking that open and seeing that I think has made a lot of people question like, well, what even is this really – what's really this thing that people were trying to sell me? And that is – like I think where wellness gets a bad rap or the past mm-hmm. version of wellness gets a bad rap. And to your point about, yeah, health is wealth. When you think about hustle culture and the rise of hustle culture, in 2010, President Obama signed into effect the Affordable Care Act. And that gave mm-hmm. people under the age of 26 access to their parents' health care until they were 26. Mm-hmm. But before that, we didn't have insurance. Like you, yeah. you, you didn't have insurance once you turned 18. Combine that with a lack of jobs, like full-time jobs that could give you access to healthcare because in this country, you yeah. have to be a quote-unquote productive working member of society in order to earn mm-hmm. healthcare, which is fucking whack. Um, mm-hmm. And the rise of like these freelance jobs that don't give you access, number one, don't often pay you enough, but also don't give you access to healthcare. It really do- did become something that you had to take care of for yourself either or trade either your happiness working at maybe a corporate job at a really low paying gig because that's what you can get for being able to, I don't know, if we're going to the doctor and the dentist yeah. and yeah. and wellness being a escape hatch or make, maybe this is the way that I can get as much as I want, that I can have it all, that I can have these artistic and creative jobs or have a couple of things that I work on and still like get away with not having healthcare, you know? Yeah. Well, there's also an, an empowerment too in that in if I can control my schedule, I can control my routines and maybe I can be healthier and be okay not going, you know, to see a regular, I was about to say pediatrician, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but I think that is the flip flip side too is understanding that you know allopathic and western medicine 
has a lot of stuff figured out, but a lot of stuff not figured out. And that even when you're buying into that system, you're going out of pocket for so many of these other resources that you want. So then the question is, do I even want to pay into that system? Is that Mm -hmm. even worth it for me if I can have this control in my life over my schedule, my time, and then buy into the resources that I think actually help me? A really quick personal story. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 17 and obviously right before I turned 18 and I was put on this Mm -hmm. medication that was really expensive. It was like $250 a pill and I'd take (laughs) Yeah. And I would take two pills a day. And I was gonna take I was supposed to take that medication every day for the rest of my life, which is what my neurologist told me. And so I started like doing that quick math as someone who was going to wanted to be a professional artist. I was like I'm never going to be able to afford – I don't. I won't get healthcare as a dancer. Like I just mm. – I won't. I know that that's probably not something I'm going to be able to do. So I'm going to have to figure that out and I can't pay for this thing out of pocket. That's insane. So I'm either going to have to marry someone who can like get me healthcare or I'm going to have to not yeah. do this job that I love, that I'm passionate about, that I've dedicated my young life to at this up until this point or I'm going to have to find out this – figure out this other solution that can help me like literally live – and function. Mm -hmm. And that felt like the most reasonable option for me at that point in my life. Like, well, I guess I'll just go and try all this crazy stuff that and see what works. And and it actually did end up working for me. But I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I know like Mm -hmm. you've had health issues or in the past too that have taken a lot. You've looked beyond allopathic medicine to try and find support or help for them. Absolutely. I feel like I've tried almost everything except for bee stinging. (laughs) I don't know if that's still a trend, but I felt like I've seen a lot of people doing that at a certain point. And I was like, okay, I think we need to save the bees. That might be my boundary. (laughs) I think the bees are responsible for a lot of humans and crops staying alive. I don't think we should be killing them (laughs) by stinging ourselves every day. But hey, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But I'm very much, I'll try anything once. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe not twice, especially (laughs) colonics, the little side tangent. But yeah, I think that that... That's just kind of my personality too. I have so much curiosity around, you know, new new things. And that's one of the things that got me into this space because I feel like there is always kind of a new innovation that is being marketed mm-hmm. to you to solve something that you're like, yeah, I have that issue, which is, I don't know, on the one hand, it's just interesting and fun to explore not only your body, but your spirituality or your mental health. It's kind of been just a way to get to know myself, but I definitely have gone through my own journey of disillusionment with this industry. I remember when I was in high school dealing with a lot of acid reflux and digestive stuff and I was getting into, I don't remember her name, but there was like a raw food person that I was into. Mm -hmm. And you go through various people who recommend different things. But I remember going to the health food store with my mom and being like, okay, here are all the supplements that I need. Will you buy these for me for my health? And my mom being like, what the fuck? What is this shit? Yeah. Like just reading the labels and it's being like, like raw psyllium husk. You're, she's like, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah, and she's like, this is like fifty six dollars, and you have like ten of these. What like? Yeah. And and just so I think even 
that first initiation was like, whoa, this is an expensive habit is what my mom called it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's not a habit. It's a way to live. It's a lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, you know, just growing up and being responsible for your own bills, you're like, yeah, this is (laughs) not affordable. No. As a way to live for the most part in terms of all of your access to health being out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that becoming another, I mean, a question that I ask a lot of myself and with Ethan, because Ethan takes a lot of supplements too for his well-being Mm -hmm. and for his health, is how much of this is placebo? How much of this is because I believe it? And I think you touched on something about like our the the dearth of spirituality and religion in in our society right now. I mean, we're not really in a way for people who are I would say like left leaning politically. Yeah, we're not necessarily like we're a more secular society, um, mm. and the sort of like faith that comes with investing in wellness a lot of the time, mm. what we call wellness, and also like. The fact that we crave that as humans, we crave something to believe in, something to mm-hmm. worship, something mm-hmm. to like sort of be the centerpiece and our meaning making system in the world, something that helps us make sense of like why we're feeling the way that we feel. And I think a lot of times yeah. when your health is like when nothing makes sense, when nothing feels fair, when it's your health that's questioned or just like your reason for existing, it's intoxicating to find something that could be an answer or Mm -hmm. to keep looking for potential answers and maybe keep finding them. And I think that's where like the mystical part of the wellness space started to blow up too, because at least from my entry point into wellness, it was much more like facilitating health. And then it was like, but, oh, but your health is connected to like this mystical part or this Mm -hmm. like this thing that you have in a past life or whatever it might be. And that got me like even further down the rabbit hole. Well, and I think that that is a lot of people who are who are interested, whether it's health as the entry point mm-hmm. or if it's more spirituality, you know, you're probably a seeker. You're probably someone who's innately very curious or maybe you're lacking community in your life at home and you're looking to connect elsewhere or you're disillusioned with the kind of capitalistic world that is sold to us as our, you know, with place good to find reason. Yeah. There's yeah. like, there's not exactly. a lot of reason and meaning there. Exactly. Even thinking of a lot of people's introduction to wellness is mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. and how common it is now to speak about meditation when five, 10 years ago, it was not at all. Yep. People would be like, I can't, I don't, no way. And now people are like, yeah, you know, I dabble. Like There's generally. meditation rooms at your co-working space. Yeah. That's not a weird thing. And I think that also touches on sort of like spirituality and wellness as this, again, biohacking way or hack to productivity and the intrinsic mm-hmm. connection between wellness and capitalism because we live in a capitalistic society of like, yeah. well, I want to be well so I can go to work. 
I don't want to have brain fog because I want to be able to work better exactly and make more money and be smarter than the other people in my meeting or whatever. That's like the subtle thing that's also sold to us too through the wellness world. I think a lot of the time, especially now. Yeah. We were just talking about this before the recording, but hybrid work environments, working at home, what has working from home given a lot of people taken away, blah, blah, blah. But it's all usually within the frame of how do we get people to be the most optimal that Mm -hmm. they can be. Exactly. So always through that lens because ultimately that's still what we're working with here. Right. And I think that's something that like we try to hammer home as much as possible at holisticism because we also – like it's easy to get caught up in that, right? If that's what everyone's talking about and what we try to hammer home at holisticism is like it's not about optimization so that you can do more work and make more money. It's about – self-actualization. You want to be like, feel like the best version of yourself because the reason we're here, we believe, is to like experiment and experience. And Mm -hmm. if you're distracted by all this other stuff, are you going to wake up when you're 75 years old, 80, and be like, oh, fuck, I missed the whole ride. Like that wasn't why I chose this body to be in. (laughs) Like I'm here to to, to live and to feel things and experience things as a spiritual being in a, in a human vessel? And am I getting distracted by the stuff that doesn't really matter or that isn't really going to matter or that's maybe holding me back from being able to see that and connect to that spirit? Yeah. And to that point, something we've been talking a lot about is doing your sacred work and yes. what does that mean to do your sacred work? And that is different for everyone. And even throughout your personal lifetime, you have many different iterations of what that looks like. Maybe one day it's child rearing. Maybe one day it's making your art. It's running your business or it's taking care of another family member or it's just traveling, whatever that is for you. And one thing that I think really stuck out through all of these conversations that we've had about this is It's one thing to be working in the wellness industry and doing your sacred work, but then to be able to step back and say, oh, am I caught up in participating in this because I think this is what I should be doing, not because this is actually what is calling me truly to my sacred work. Yeah, totally. And we could replace wellness with anything, (laughs) with like with any word, right? Depending on like what you're most interested in. It's easy to get caught up in the like, in the hype of it all and in the the race of it and uh, like the rat race. And to your point, what everyone else around you is talking about or doing, like the amount of times that I've had to be like recently, wait, do I want kids? Do I want kids at all or do I want them right now? And pull back and be like, is this what I think I should want? Yeah. Because so many people around me are engaged in it. And where's the truth of like what I want and how do I let that percolate and come up? Totally. I feel that so much as a business owner. For example, we were just at an event, an LA Tech Week event this week, and I could feel myself getting pulled back into the like hustle, how much money have you raised, blah, blah, blah. And there's one, almost like one half of my body that's just like, this makes me want to poke my own eyes out. I hate this so much. I don't like anything about this. This is not who I am and this doesn't matter to me. And the other side of me feeling so small, like, oh, does what I do even matter? Like these, are these people better than me? And like, is this what should matter? Have I been focusing on the wrong thing this whole time? And I totally know that that's not true. But that that tide or that 
energy. Yeah. Like you can get sucked mm-hmm. into it so easily, even when you know yourself so clearly. And I think wellness can feel that way too, because it can be distracting, right? And it can be a way to hide like disordered thinking very easily yes. as well. Because it's under the guise of the wellness watchdog. Mm -hmm. And and it's almost like whatever that is for you changes according to your experiences in life. But I feel for me, the wellness watchdog is that disordered orthorexic place of you're eating too much of XYZ. So that's probably why you're not sleeping well. Right. Or you're not meditating or writing your gratitude list before bed. (laughs) Right. You're not passing your tests. Which is yes. why you're not manifesting your thing. It's like, oh, there you go. Well, actually, I don't. And we're not even getting into the socioeconomic and racial and like mm-hmm. sexism implications that are sort of rife throughout the wellness space. Not implications, but the issues and the lack of social justice work that was so rampant within the wellness space. And mm-hmm. it's just now starting, I think, over the last couple of years to to enter the space in a more thoughtful and conscientious way. But it does make you wonder, is the wellness industry just the way that it's set up? Does it even make space for those types of conversations? Sort of capital W, capital I wellness industry, this $3.3 trillion industry. I was just thinking when you were saying that about all of the community organizers and social justice workers who have been doing this work for so long and look at the wellness industry as, oh, yeah, it's just like another part of consumerism that is totally different than what we're doing because what we're doing takes organizing on a level that doesn't have a lot of very quick returns Mm -hmm. and I think because that's how capitalism functions there's not not a lot of space for these more complex nuanced conversations that are not built on exponential growth year over year that community organizing and social justice work is more of that like meandering non-linear spiral work Mm-hmm. Yeah, like rhizomatic work in a way, like that it's all mm-hmm. building upon itself and everyone's contributing in some way. Yeah, it's it. And when you say that, it makes me think like immediately in my head, I saw split, like the future of wellness. Our original question was is wellness even real? Like, was it just this sort of pseudo industry that was created by brands? by companies, by venture-backed businesses that had millions of dollars to throw at marketing and sort of create a category that hadn't really existed before, which is sort of fake, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. a fake yeah. need. Or is it is it something that we legitimately want and need and want to continue to build and contribute to? And I think we're going to see a, a deepening fissure between those two spaces. And I wonder if we're going to eventually have different words to describe them. And I think that's what we're going to see over time because even the word wellness doesn't feel big enough to encompass, let's say like, I don't necessarily feel part of the wellness world, but I'm also part of, I know that we're part of the wellness world. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the positive things that's come out of all of this kind of conversation during the pandemic has been, what does that mean to you? I think we're realizing that like, oh, wait, fuck, everything contributes to our wellness. If we're going to use the word wellness or well-being to describe Mm -hmm. like how we exist in the world, we also have to acknowledge that like everything contributes to our well-being. I think we talk about that a lot at holisticism. That's like why we came up with the word holisticism, right? From like, of course, the obvious things, the sort of like, duh, eye roll, that's wellness, like food, drink, exercise, mindset. 
But also there are a lot of things that contribute to that, like how much money I make and my financial yeah. health. So yeah. that makes a difference in my well-being. So couldn't totally. work like what Chantel Chapman at Trauma of Money does. Well, wouldn't that be considered wellness too? Or mm-hmm. like the financial feminist, isn't that wellness? Like in a way, yeah. isn't political work wellness too? And that's not a new Absolutely. idea. We, we know that that's not new. But even how I relate to my job. What about how I mm-hmm. talk to my boss? What about how I raise my children? Or how I talk to my parent? Isn't all of that contribute to my well-being too? So isn't everything we do, including like the media we take in, the movies we see, the books we read, isn't that wellness as well? So is everything wellness? I think even over the past two years, we've seen an increase in conversation around media literacy as being part of that pie of mental health and how there's such a lacking of that in our society and and that's presenting a lot of clear issues right now. (laughs) There you go. Which, like, you're like, that's okay. You're mentally ill, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and that, that, like, people are so vulnerable to be Mm -hmm. then in a position where they're vulnerable to things that not. Yeah, or I've been watching a lot of the Teal Swan conversation that's happening, and, you know, she's someone who I'll let you do your own research on if you're listening to this, but uses Google's SEO, Google's algorithm to basically get people who are searching for suicide, like have suicidal ideations to get them on her YouTube channel and basically get them into her funnel. And she's a quote unquote spiritual teacher. And just like thinking about that very high level perspective. Yeah. Media literacy, the internet, algorithms, and mental health, access to mental health care. All three yes. of those things are contributing to, or four of those things are contributing to the well, well-being of that person, that person's wellness in that situation. Mm-hmm. So we can't, we almost can't divorce wellness yeah. as its own category, at least for me in a way. Like I feel like the yeah. idea of yeah. wellness is dead, this separate thing. Everything is wellness. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm really craving a new word to describe that. Maybe hopefully nodding your head along to some of this. And maybe you also feel like, oh my God, how, where do I even start? And how do I like, I feel almost overwhelmed because I'm like, maybe we're just trying to do too much. Maybe everything, mm-hmm. saying everything is wellness is just not, maybe, helpful. not even helpful. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, true. Yes. And maybe yeah. you still need to pick a lane. And I think that we're going to enter a space, especially as we enter the recession, where people who were would consider themselves squarely in the wellness world are going to defect from the wellness world, but they're going to have sort of that idea of wellness and holistic existence as like a key pillar or a key value Mm -hmm. in what they do. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how that manifests in lots of small businesses and hopefully big businesses in the future. Likewise. And this is not to condemn the space, of course. (laughs) Hopefully that's come across. I think we're at an exciting inflection point of this understanding that you can have somebody be a stylist who is looking at your wardrobe from a perspective of holism or holisticism lens where they're like, I'm going to help you self-actualize through feeling more comfortable in your clothing and knowing how to shop for your body type and feeling better every day when you show up you know, wherever you need to show up. Yeah, I think what's really cool is we have so many examples of that personally within the community. I, I have learned from so many people who have been just creative geniuses, which really how they're approaching this. I feel inspired that hopefully this is a more integrated approach 
Yeah. I wonder if maybe the term, like you just said, because that's really intense. (laughs) But I'm excited. I, I also think that this is cool. Like these different factions that are coming out of the wellness space and the evolution of it. It's sad to see some things fall by the wayside, only some things, but it's exciting to see a lot of our old paradigms sort of be shifted and shaken up. So that was our process yeah, <laughs> and our thesis and our discussion <laughs> all in one. Yeah. And hopefully mm-hmm. that gives you permission and a little bit of inspiration to find what works for you, not just what some expert on the internet tells you to do. And we would also love to hear from you what you think of this topic. You can also reply to the weekly email, which if you're not subscribed to, we'll put the link below because great email. It's kind of a recap of the podcast plus all the tools that we're looking at each week that we're trying, great links, good articles, some good quotes. It's good mail. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get found by other people. It makes a huge difference for us in our morale. (laughs) Please, you can just hit five stars. You could leave a review, but even just five stars we, and we, share it with a friend. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, make sure that you do. So you get all of the new episodes that are coming out and some of our inside voice episodes that are going to be on the feed in the future. In case you're like, what's that? It's monthly and it's part of our private feed and it's kind of just a little bit more inside baseball, personal stuff. We released an episode in August on the feed and it'll be private next month and onward. And we'll be talking about maternity leave, pregnancy, that kind of stuff next. And so it's just a little bit more personal and also a way to support us and make better content for you guys. Everything we do, we do for you. We love you so much. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the internet. Bye. Bye.